Good Bone Health makes active aging possible. Join us for inspiring conversations from diverse perspectives in osteoporosis, from patients, healthcare providers, caregivers, policymakers, researchers, advocates, and innovators. Protect your ability to live your best life. The information and opinions expressed in Bone Talk are not intended to replace the services of trained and qualified health professionals or to be a substitute for medical advice of physicians. You may review the National Osteoporosis Foundation's full medical disclaimer at nof.org. Hi, and thanks for joining us today on Bone Talk. We're excited to get started with some great information and delighted to be joined by a panel of experts. But first, let me introduce myself. I'm Dr. Susan Greenspan, the President of the Board of Trustees of the National Osteoporosis Foundation and Professor of Medicine in the Divisions of Geriatrics and Endocrinology at the University of Pittsburgh. Today, we're going to talk about Parkinson's disease and its relationship to falls and fractures and a great program. Parkinson's disease is a neurological problem that develops in older adults. It hampers their balance and can lead to falls and fractures. We are thrilled today to be with a talented group of nationally and internationally known investigators who have developed a terrific program funded by the National Institute of Health to help prevent the devastating fractures that can occur after a fall in a patient with Parkinson's disease. Our group includes Dr. Carolyn Tanner, a neurologist who focuses on Parkinson's disease and related disorders with an emphasis on understanding the causes, improving treatments, and disease prevention. With Dr. Cummings, she is co-principal investigator of a trial we will talk about called TOPAZ, which is focused on fracture prevention and as a home-based trial, improved access to clinical research. Dr. Tanner is a professor of neurology at the University of California in San Francisco and director of the Parkinson's Disease Research Education and Clinical Center at the San Francisco VA. Dr. Ken Lyles is a geriatrician and endocrinologist who has spent his career studying older patients with fractures and developing ways to improve their ability to function after fracture. He helped Novartis develop zolindronic acid for patients with hip fracture and Paget's disease of the bone. With Dr. Cummings and Dr. Tanner, he helped design the Topaz trial we'll talk about today. He is Professor of Medicine and Senior Fellow in the Center for the Study of Aging and Human Development at Duke University School of Medicine. And Dr. Steve Cummings, a primary care internal medicine physician who has designed and led large studies about the causes and prevention of fractures. He developed the innovative method for conducting clinical trials entirely from a patient's home. Dr. Cummings directs the coordinating center that will manage this trial. So let's get started. What is Parkinson's disease? Carly, maybe you can help answer this one. Sure. Thank you, Susan. Parkinson's disease is a progressive disease of the nervous system. It causes changes in the ability to move and then a variable range of other kinds of problems that differ from person to person 
including changes in thinking, emotional changes, sleeping problems, and changes in functions like urination, bowel function, or blood pressure. The movement problems are the central features of Parkinson's, and these include tremor or shaking, which is not voluntary, slowness of movement, stiffness of the limbs and the trunk, and problems with walking and balance. Carly, can you tell us about how common Parkinson's disease is in the United States? So we think about 1 million people in the United States have Parkinson's disease. And as you mentioned, this is a disease of late life. So most of those people are age 65 or older. And as our population is aging, what this means is that we project that the number of people with Parkinson's in the U.S. in this age group is likely to double by the year 2030. So a really uh, dramatic increase in that number. Thank you. And Ken, can you tell us why osteoporosis and fractures are important to these patients with Parkinson's disease? Yes, Susan, I certainly can. There. First, osteoporosis, the older you get, the more common the problem is. And for the general population, 50% of women who make it to age 80 have a fracture in the spine. They may or may not know it. And if someone is blessed to make it to age 90, one in three women will have a hip fracture and one in six men will have it. The problem with Parkinson's disease is the rate is significantly higher. In work that Dr. Cummings, uh, Carly, and I did to prepare for this study, when we looked at several large databases, we found that patients over the age of 65 had a 10 to 16% annual rate of some sort of fracture. Now, in my practice at Duke University, I see patients with Parkinson's disease after they have had a hip fracture. This is a devastating problem because, as Carly's already said, this disease causes problems with movement and impairs one's ability to get about. So the problem is, how do we do something to reduce the rate of that first fracture or... We also know that if a patient has had a hip fracture and they're over the age of 50, they have a one in five chance of another fracture in the next two years. So as Steve, Carly, and I worked to design this trial, we were looking for ways to take this very high-risk patient population and find ways to reduce their risk of fractures. So it sounds like this population is at great risk for fractures. And is this often because of the falls or fall risks that they have, Ken? In my opinion, it is. The other thing that happens, however, in addition to the falls, which are a devastating consequence of this disorder, they also, for some reason, have an increased risk of fractures in the spine. So as patients with Parkinson's, have the disease progressed, part of it comes from the muscle weakness and stooping, but they also have fractures in the spine, which again increase their risk for other fractures. How will this new study help prevent fractures for these patients with Parkinson's disease and probable osteoporosis? 
Steve, can you help us with this and tell us a little bit about your study? Sure. You know, we have very good treatments to improve bone density in patients and patients with osteoporosis, and they're indicated for people who have osteoporosis, a previous fracture, or very low bone density, for example. It's not so clear that these drugs that improve bone density, including zolindronic acid, will reduce fractures in patients with Parkinson's. That's uncertain because we know that the fractures that occur in Parkinson's disease, as Ken alluded to, happen as a consequence of the multiple and recurrent falls. And in addition, when somebody with Parkinson's falls, they don't have often the same kind of protective responses, the ability to put out an arm quickly or to move their feet quickly to prevent the fall or a severe trauma from the fall. So it's it's been controversial about whether the drugs we've got that are so good in populations with osteoporosis really would work for patients with Parkinson's disease. And so before we started, a survey that we did showed that fewer than 5% of patients with Parkinson's disease over the age of 65 receive any treatment to possibly prevent fractures. And they don't receive these drugs. And now, now, why could that be? I think from our conversations with neurologists and, and other groups that it's partly because there just isn't any evidence that the drugs work in patients with Parkinson's disease. We need a large, randomized, rigorously done clinical trial to give us the evidence that will convince people that this works And so, make it part of guidelines for the care of patients with Parkinson's disease. Treatments like this are not currently part of the guidelines for their care. If this trial were to work, then we expect that it would become part of those guidelines. So, what is the trial? Well, the trial is a large, randomized, placebo-controlled trial, the most rigorous kind of evidence. And in order to have the power, that is to see an effect, We're enrolling 3,500 patients with Parkinson's age 65 or older from anywhere in the United States. One of the unique features of this trial is that you can be a patient with Parkinson's disease anywhere in the United States and you can participate. We don't have the typical clinical sites or clinical centers where patients must go in order to sign up and receive the treatment. No, this is something that patients with Parkinson's will be able to do entirely from their own home. No clinical centers required or involved. Essentially what that means, a patient with Parkinson's disease can be referred by their neurologist or in response to advertisements, emails, or other information you might get as a patient with Parkinson's disease, you'll be able to go to a website where you can give consent, answer a few questions, sign up, and the treatment is delivered in a patient's home. So a patient with Parkinson's doesn't need to go elsewhere. A nurse, specially trained research nurse, would come to the home, check to make sure that the patient is safe to receive zolindronic acid. This trial will be done from patients' homes. That is, a nurse will go into the home Check to make sure that the, that the patient doesn't have reasons why the drug can't be given, that is, contraindications to it, by checking their mouth to make sure that there are no sores and by measuring the kidney function of, such, of the patients to make sure that the drug is safe. And then 
If that's true, patients will be randomly assigned to receive either a placebo or zoledronic acid. That can be given just one time because zoledronic acid is really unique. Giving one dose of zoledronic acid results in improvements in bone density and improvements in the way the bone density is preserved, and that lasts for at least two years. And so that single injection, that single infusion, will allow us to determine whether or not the patients are protected from fractures over the next two years. In summary, I think that this could have a major impact in patients with Parkinson's disease. If it works, it should become part of guidelines. If this approach by doing it in home works, that means that eventually even the treatment, if it works, could be delivered to patients at home. Steve, is there a website or particular group that patients should call to find out about enrolling in this study? This is absolutely terrific that anyone in the country that has Parkinson's disease can enroll. So what what can we tell our patients and providers in terms of getting them in contact with the right person for this study? There will be a website as soon as we start recruiting for the study from the general population. That website will be available for people to get information, even provide the consent, and also then provide some of the screening information to make sure that they're eligible to participate. We're going to do this in the United States region by region. And so right now, the availability of the study and of that website may only be available in one region to start, for example, in North Carolina, but eventually it will become available to to people in other places in the United States. You may hear about it if you're a patient with Parkinson's disease by emails from the Parkinson's Foundation. You may hear about it as a patient in some healthcare systems that participate, like Duke or eventually the Mayo Clinic, because they'll let Parkinson's patients know about the trial when it's available in their area. So, Ken, what can patients with Parkinson's disease do in general to prevent osteoporosis and fractures? Well, Susan, the first thing is the most difficult, and that is to reduce their fall rate. And they need to be aware, alert for this risk, and try to be careful. But that's much easier said than done, as Carly has already stated. We know that once a person's had a fracture, unfortunately, in the United States, less than 3% of people, after they've had a hip fracture, get any treatment. The point is there are a number of treatments that are available after someone has had a hip fracture. One of them is zoledronic acid. There are other medications. Now, One of the things we were so interested in because the fracture rate is so high, we had some data from a trial that I led at Duke University that people with hip fractures, even with a normal bone density over the age of 50, got protection from future fractures with zoledronic acid. One of the things that Steve has talked about is this trial will not require you to have had a bone density. We decided that was too much of a barrier. And if a person with Parkinson's now has a bone density that shows osteoporosis and they know that, the nurses will not want them to stay in the trial because those people 
if they've had a hip fracture or know they have osteoporosis, we would want them to go ahead and get treatment. The point is less than 5% of these people know the status of their bones based on bone density. So there are a number of therapies that are available. Some have to be taken by mouth. Some have to be given by injections under the skin. Reclast or zoledronic acid, as we talk about, is given by an intravenous infusion. And we know that it has fracture protection and bone density building ability for two years. So that's why we selected this, because as we planned this trial, we figured that it could be done in patients' homes and travel, and getting to a center is a huge problem for patients with Parkinson's disease. Did I answer your question for you, Susan, or you want some more? Well, I want to know a little bit more, like, what about some of the other things that we hear about for osteoporosis? Do these patients with Parkinson's, should they be thinking about calcium, vitamin D? Everyone in this trial, when you agree to do it, you will be mailed calcium and vitamin D to your home. We have some data to suggest that many patients with Parkinson's disease are deficient in vitamin D, and we're going to give them a very safe dose that they will take for approximately six to eight weeks. We know that vitamin D given to frail older patients can reduce fracture risk in itself. However, we don't want to keep people on it long term, so there will only be medicine for this time. The other thing we like to do when we administer zoledronic acid to patients, we like them to have extra calcium as a pill and also some vitamin D. So we are doing that throughout the trial with calcium and vitamin D. And we anticipate if the results of our trial are positive, that would be the way it would be administered if this works as Steve has suggested when he described the trial. There are other therapies. The problem with the other therapies are they are less convenient to administer. Another disadvantage that patients with Parkinson have disease has is the disease progresses. Is sometimes they develop swallowing difficulties. And some of the medications we administer are taken by mouth. So we ruled out those as we were thinking about ways to treat this. The other therapies require subcutaneous administration, and some of them are done uh, every six months. Some of them are done once a month. Some of them are done every day. So again, our desire when we created this trial, having a great deal of experience with zoledronic acid, we felt that was a way to relieve the burden on the people who would participate in the trial. Any more questions, Susan? That's great. No, you've done a terrific job explaining that. I actually have a question for Carly, and that involves, what about exercise for patients with Parkinson's? If they are up and moving, they may be more likely to fall, but we suggest always exercise for everyone that has osteoporosis. So can you help us understand what they should be thinking about? Yes, we actually also recommend top of the list, top of the prescription is physical activity for people with Parkinson's disease. There are few studies that have actually looked at 
specific types of exercise in relationship to reducing the numbers of falls and certain kinds of interventions, for example, the Chinese martial art Tai Chi Chuan have been shown to lower the risk of falls in people with Parkinson's disease. So it's very, very important. Unfortunately, because it is a progressive disorder, it's still true that the risk of falling in Parkinson's is high and it's not possible to completely avoid or get rid of that risk for people. So this study is still very relevant for that reason, but exercise is tremendously important. That's really good to hear. That's so important about exercise. So I have uh, one final question. Uh, Maybe, Steve, you can take this. And if there was one take-home message for our patients, family, and friends, what would that be? Well, we have some very effective treatments to prevent fractures by improving bone density. It's very important now to determine whether they work in patients with Parkinson's disease, and if so, should become a regular part of the care of patients with Parkinson's disease. That's why we're doing the Topaz trial. In the meantime, you've heard very clearly from Ken and from Carly that patients with Parkinson's disease should still be taking measures to try to reduce their fracture risk, doing things to reduce their risk of falls, taking calcium and vitamin D is a way of improving their bones to reduce their risk of fractures. So thank you all for sharing your expertise today. You've certainly helped our listeners understand more about osteoporosis and Parkinson's and your interesting, important research with the Topaz trial. As you leave the podcast today, we encourage you to get additional information and to act. There is a wealth of resources on the National Osteoporosis Foundation website at nof.org. We are also interested to hear your stories, which you can do at nof.org. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope you tune in again soon for Bone Talk. Thank you for joining Bone Talk, the National Osteoporosis Foundation's podcast that shares information, strategies, and inspiration about good bone health that makes active aging possible. To learn more about bone health, to become involved and or help fuel NOF's mission with financial support, visit nof.org.